Hello and welcome to the May show for Holistic Wholeness. We're focusing today on physical health. Of course, any time is the right time to prepare our bodies for greater physical health and vitality. But for those of us in the northern heavens, hemisphere especially, we've got the added uh, incentive of getting our bodies ready to bear all under the summer sun. And it is lovely and sunny today. What's it like for you today, Barbara? Good morning, everybody. It's fabulous here today. Beautiful blue skies and lovely sunshine. Good, good, good. So despite the fact that research says the number one New Year's resolution is to lose weight, the fourth is to be happy, and the fifth is to get fit, 90% of those resolutions are abandoned before the end of January. And I know we've talked about this before, Barbara, but evidently health is something most people take for granted. Of course, that is until we've no longer got it. So there are many appropriate quotes for the topic of health, and we're spoilt for choice this month. And you know that uh, our regular listeners will know that Barbara and I love a quote or two. But uh, what I want to share today is so many people spend their health gaining their wealth then in their later years, they have to spend their wealth to regain their health, which is complete madness. So this show is about, as usual, prevention is better than the cure. So that's the philosophy. Uh, so Barbara, before we go into the Wheel of Life, was there anything that you wanted to say? What, was, what were the things that you wanted to add to that? Do you know, Dawn, it's interesting. We do talk about physical health. Yeah. And actually, it's something I think a lot of us take for granted. Uh -huh. um, we both live in France and there's been an incredible flu epidemic this year in yeah. France and, and everybody you speak to, every GP you speak to, you know, everybody's talking about it and, and people can't throw it because it seems to be doing the rounds mm. and it's coming back and it's going and it's coming back and it's going and I was sitting thinking the other day, sorry, I'm very croaky and, and potentially that's why I was sitting thinking the other day. Uh -huh. It's what's the underlying thing that stops us looking after ourselves. Uh -huh. And I sometimes think that our health takes a back seat um, because we're looking after the health of somebody else, uh -huh. children, parents, yeah. spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, friends. And isn't this also a time for us to start to think about our own health? Mm. Yeah, because I mean we've we've had the analogy before of the um, airline stewardess is, who say to you, in the event of, please put your own mask on before you start helping others. And health is exactly the same issue. We tend to kind of think of it as selfish, putting ourselves first. But if you think about it logically, unless you are selfish and practice self-care, and that is not selfish to practice self-care, um, then everything else is potentially uh, built on quicksand. Because if you are not uh, physically fit, mentally fit, um, you are not in the best position to go to work, which means you're not contributing to the economy. You are not the best person to look after your family. You're certainly not leading by example if you've got other uh, people who depend on you or look up to you, if you don't look after yourself first. So whether it's family or whether it's work, uh, you have a duty of care. I mean, even uh, the Dalai Lama says, you know, if you're not feeling up to uh, up to speed in terms of your health and your mood, then, you know, take yourself away and look after yourself, do what you need to do and come back, you know, to the community when you're feeling physically and mentally healthy and, and fit. So if you can't look after yourself, realistically, how can you look after anybody else? So I think you're absolutely right, Barbara. We've got with ourselves first and practice self-care and it is not selfish thing to do. But you know, as you're saying that, Dawn, there's this word coming through my mind. You know, we talk about self-care mm. and we talk about selfish. Uh -huh. And they start with self. Uh -huh. But why don't you and I coin a new phrase? Why don't we coin a phrase that says self-health? Uh, self-health, yes, yeah. Because at the end of the day, <clears throat> if we can <coughs> excuse me, look after ourselves and, and care for ourselves, self-health, 
Uh-huh. Many L's and F's in that lot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we need another one, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, because we do talk about self-care, but self-care is big. Yeah. We're talking about a very specific area of self-care. We're talking about self-health. Yeah. And, um, you know, physical fitness is, is obviously where we started and what we're going to be talking about is one element of it. And uh-huh. it, we should be looking at self. Uh-huh. Yeah. when we're doing this uh-huh. and I think I think you're right maybe we need to help people understand a little bit more about the importance of the self side uh-huh. yeah yeah so, so if you would like to introduce the wheel of life that you've created for us I know you um, love these uh, do this every uh, time and obviously this is the wheel of health and then I'll talk more about what each topic means as a holistic practitioner yeah and I've got some good questions for you Dawn just, okay, to, just to let you know so let me let me just introduce this Dawn is our health coach she's our health practitioner and that's what Dawn knows well and I love the fact that she had a goal um, a few years ago to to do to run a marathon Mm. And when I'm looking at, you know, people who tell me, I know from my own coaching practice and my own mentoring practice, people say to me, I'm too old to do that. And then mm. I think of Dawn. This first thing on, the, on our wheel of health is really important. And it shows that it doesn't matter what age you are. Yeah. Um, you can do it. And I have another classic example. My father, who um, retired many years ago, um, when he turned 80, emailed me with absolute delight to say he just received <coughs> the bowling ref qualifications. Uh-huh. Now, I mean, if he wasn't fit physically, he wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. So the first element we've got on this, this wheel of health is exercise. Yeah. Both physical and mental exercise. Nutrition. Well, Dawn's a great one for discussing that in much more depth than me. Sleep. Uh, water our body and our brain is primarily made up of water and you know we need to keep that water going one of the biggest issues that we have is dehydration mm-hmm. and without realizing it we all dehydrate it doesn't matter how healthy you are at mm-hmm. some point we dehydrate and I can actually remember a GP saying to me years ago I just landed back from a trip to to Australia and I landed back with um, gastroenteritis and he said to me, we have a challenge in the way we drink water because we drink it by the glass full. Mm. And actually what we need to do is, especially when we're building up our, our health, is to have a glass of water with you and sip, take a sip every minute because that's really what we want to do. And when you suddenly start to realize how much our bodies, and Dawn will talk more about this in a minute, require that water, it actually shows how much we should be taking in. Mm-hmm. Sunshine. I know that um, we talk about it as the happiest happiness vitamin, but actually it's a mood lifter as well. And it's interesting when you talk to people, and I'm, I'm sure Dawn will talk about this in more depth, the SAD syndrome, how it can actually really help you want to improve your health. It's a mental thing. Air. Um, and I'll let Dawn talk to you more about that. And peace of mind. And peace of mind is actually quite important. So that's our Wheel of Health this, this month. And um, if you have any questions about it, please email Dawn or myself. We're both delighted to receive your emails and to help you out. So Dawn, would you like to discuss it in a lot more depth? Okay, so going back to exercise. Um, yes, you're absolutely right. To celebrate my 50th birthday, I decided to run not one, but two marathons that year. So I did the London and the Paris Marathon. Um, Now, I remember saying to you, I want to create a blog, sort of uh, fit, fat, fabulous, 50 type of thing, but you're not fat, so you can't have that title. Um, But as we approach the menopause, it is much harder to control our weight, which is one of the things I was trying to focus on in in that blog. But fabulous 50 fit yes okay uh, I was lying a bit when it came to the fit because 
uh, really, I had spent most of my life not doing any exercise. It was one of the weak links in my um, health protocol. And interestingly, with your dad getting his referee's uh, license in his 80s, he had to be mentally fit as well as physically fit to do that. So we have to uh, draw on lots of reserves, whether you're you know, going for referee exams or choosing to run the marathon. And you're right, it's never too late. So I spent six months... Um, uh, at 49 and a half and I suddenly realized whoops I'm nearly 50 and I haven't fulfilled this goal of running a marathon uh, for my 50th birthday so um, I I started training and I don't know where the motivation came from Barbara I've written a lot on this um, that I think a big part of it because we touched on this earlier that um, people don't look after their health and we don't feel motivated to do it. But when you start to do it for a cause that's bigger than yourself, yeah. um, so, you know, I, I'm thinking with my clients, I've had a client say, who wants to stop smoking because they want to see their children grow up. Now, if they didn't have that motivation, they'd probably continue smoking. Or people want to lose weight because they want to get into... Um, uh, the, the, the mother of the bride and they want to look good and their photographs are going to be in their, their family for the next 50 years. You know, when we have a motivation that is bigger than ourselves, and it's a real shame that our, our health isn't a big enough motivation. And even just this week in art class, I was talking to my friend Elaine, who's a, a yogi, and she said, you know, I just can't be bothered to do it on my own. Uh, if you come with me, it will add accountability and we'll do it together. And I said, you know, it's crazy. We, we, we both understand the importance of health, and yet we can't be bothered when it's just ourselves uh, on our own doing it for ourselves. So for me, the marathon was about finding a bigger goal than me. So I chose to run for charity uh, and raise money. And of course, once you start to do that, you build in accountability. And every day that you don't go out and train, you start to panic. Uh, and as each month goes down, because everyone recommends it's a six-month program, and of course, this is over the winter, you start to panic that you're going to fail, you're not going to cross the finishing line, you're going to be embarrassed, you're not going to raise the money. <coughs> Excuse me. And so I found myself in the snow saying to my husband, drop in, you know, we'd go out in the car and I, I was dressed in my sports gear and I'd say to him, okay, drop me here and I'll run the rest of the way home because you have to find time and actually running for a marathon you, towards the end, you're looking at three, four hours a day um, quite regularly throughout the week. So it's a massive commitment and I don't know where this sloth found the motivation <laughs> at uh, to start exercising because I just avoided exercise like the plague. <coughs> I was one of those kids at boarding school who hid in the shower uh, when it was PE. I had PMT. I had everything going across the country. I'd hide behind the tree, the first tree that I could find and join at the end. I've always hated exercise, probably because my father was an athlete. And so I spent most of my childhood weekends going from track to track to track. And I just avoided it. But actually, as I'm getting older, and as I've trained as a holistic practitioner, I know, <coughs> excuse me, um, getting over bronchitis, so we're both a bit croaky today. Uh, I know the importance of exercise. And when I talk about exercise, I don't mean you're Jane Fonda, uh, Lycra, uh, sweating, no pain, no gain type of philosophy. Those days are dead. Um, Actually, exercise has gone full circle and been completely revolutionized. So now it's about slow movement actually cre creates the, the greatest burn. Uh, stretching and resistance training is the most important thing, particularly uh, for women who are approaching the menopause in order to keep your bone density, avoid osteoporosis, and when we think about linking that with nutrition, 
don't be hoodwinked by the myth uh, that the dairy uh, industry promotes that, you know, milk, cheese, etc., is going to prevent osteoporosis. That's absolute, complete nonsense, the big white lie. You know, you only have to look at America's statistics. They consume the most dairy products in the world, and yet they have the highest proportion of osteoporosis. So you need to uh, work things out for yourself. Don't believe everything that you read when you're looking into uh, nutrition. You need to look at who wrote that particular article or that book, who funded it, etc., and make your own decisions. So when we come to self-health, self-care, call it what you will, you actually owe it to yourself to become educated, in my opinion, Barbara. You you have to uh, think about what are the key elements of health. And the ones that we've picked today, that's seven on the wheel of health. So exercise, nutrition, sleep, water, sunshine, air, and peace of mind. I consider, as a holistic practitioner, the seven key basic things that we can't do without. In actual fact, holistic practitioners, particularly if they're of the um, uh, natural hygiene and raw foodie types uh, backgrounds like myself, there are actually 22 principles uh, of health protocol. But these seven are the fundamentals. You know, we are genetically programmed to move. We, had to, we started off having to chase our food, Barbara. We are not supposed to be sedentary, sat at our desks, having food brought to us, um, or just having that little toddle off to the kitchen and open the fridge. You know, that is not enough movement. Um, nutrition, we, are, we're, we were designed to have primarily uh, the type of diet that Mother Nature provided with us. So fruit, nuts, seeds, vegetables, uh, etc., herbs and so on. And we are supposed to sleep with the uh, light and dark that we go through every 12 hours. So we weren't really designed to burn the candle at both ends. And we do need that rest and recuperation, uh, which is the, the time that our mind and body detox. And I was watching a really interesting program because I was up early this morning. Uh, so I shortchanged myself <laughs> on sleep. And that is my weak link. You know, I've conquered the sort of the demon uh, that has plagued me all my life with the exercise. And I do now exercise. But sleep is still one of my weak links in my health protocol. And I was watching this fascinating program on dementia. <coughs> Excuse me. And it was saying that, well, it was actually showing us, Barbara, that uh, throughout the day, because of the food that we eat and the stress that we go through, etc., our mind, uh, our brain is actually accumulating plaque, just like our teeth. Um, but when the brain is being videoed um, or, or in, in a sort of x-ray type situation oh, yes. at night, you can see fluid rushing through all the uh, brain neurons with cleaning. So our brain is actually detoxing at night and cleaning away that plaque. Now that sticky plaque is absolutely crucial to be eliminated because that is one of the key determinators with dementia. And obviously, the, the biggest issue uh, that people fear at the moment, more than cancer, is getting Alzheimer's. So we do need to sleep and look after our brain. And people take our brain absolutely for granted. They take our health for granted, but they take the health of their brain for granted even more. And so what we can do to help our brain detox from all the stress and the plaque that uh, builds up from food, which is primarily, if you're interested in tough food, would be uh, food that contains gluten. So flour is the biggest uh, uh, culprit for that. So if you've got a high diet of uh, pastries, breads, biscuits, cakes, uh, anything with gluten, then this protein is going to build up and essentially it is strangling our brain cells, which then creates this memory loss and uh, dementia. So we can sleep more, which will help our brain stay healthy. Water. I'm just going to take a glug of water. <laughs> Good for you, Dawn. Good for oh, you. Though. As you said, Barbara, <clears throat> our brain 
and our body is primarily made up of water. If you think a, a newborn plump baby, it's nearly you know 70 to 80 percent water, and most of our adult life we're kind of uh, 70 percent water, and in our 60s and 70s we start to become about 60 percent water and less. Now. <coughs> So this decreases as we age. Hence, we wrinkle like a prune. You know, if you think about a lovely grape, that's a baby. And by the time we're old and decrepit, we are absolutely crucial. And if you have weight issues uh, or you're depressed, then hydration is even more important as part of your weight management and keeping your brain healthy. So water is key. Now, people actually make the mistake, Barbara, of thinking, well, I drink coffee, I drink six cups of tea, I have two glasses of wine, I have three Cokes, etc. But if you pour all that liquid content into a bucket every day and then try to wash a wall clean, what are you going to get? you're going to get a very muddy looking wall. Your brain and your body actually crave water, pure water, preferably uh, bottled water, ideally in glass bottles. And this is something I'm very passionate about. So I'm, I'm going to try not to get on my soapbox here, Barbara. <laughs> I'm going to stop you, Dawn, don't worry. Very quickly, you know, there's a lot of toxic uh, crap in tap water. Uh, it is a chemical of toxins, and you don't want that. So you have to have a good source of water. Now, you and I are quite lucky. We've got our own springs, and as long as you keep checking them, then that would be the type of uh, opportunity where you can take advantage of tap water. Cool. So you have to be really careful if you're living in a city where your quality of water comes from. Well, you know, know sorry, yeah. can I just add something in there? Yeah. We're always fascinated here. I mean, we live, I live on a, a, a small holding of seven acres, maybe a bit more. And I always say to people, my neighbors are cattle and sheep. Mm -hmm. And we have two rivers that run through the property. Mm -hmm. And we put water out for the, uh, we've got two cats and a dog, and we put water out for them. And in winter, they'll drink it. Because mm -hmm. obviously, you, you know, the heating's on, they're dehydrating like us, and they know naturally when to go and get water. Mm. But we've noticed our Border Collie pup, who's, who's just a year old, will go rushing into the river, because it's great fun anyway, mm. and she'll walk up the river drinking. Mm -hmm. Why? Because that water comes from the mountains. And yes, although on its way down, it's collected fertilizers, mm -hmm. it's um, you know stuff from cattle and sheep and all the other animals that are around it's collected things it is still more natural than the water that comes out of the tap and it's being cleaned on the way down anyway through a natural irrigation system yeah. over the rocks etc so with sky drinking the water as she walks down mm -hmm. the river she's getting the best uh, exactly. best of it yeah and and you know, when you, when you think about <coughs> cats and dogs, you know, we have two cats and a dog, you have two dogs, Dawn, and when you think about watching them, you know, she'll rush out to any puddle around and yeah. drink from it. Yeah. And we both go, there's water in the house. And I just said to, to my partner, you know, it's, it's because she knows what's natural. Yeah. And even the two cats, when the river's, at its highest or even lowest, mm. um, will go and crouch down on the bank and mm. drink water, mm. preferably than drinking out of a bowl in the house. Yeah, because it's come from a tap. And I don't know about you, Barbara, I know you have... Um, we, a, we filter our water. But before you didn't have a water filter, you could probably smell that the water was different. I can smell chlorine, etc. Yeah, one tap that doesn't have a filter on, yeah. and I can smell the difference. And like you, our dogs outside mm -hmm. prefer to drink the rainwater. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's much more natural. So yes, you've I mean, got to be careful about your water source. It, it's interesting, you know, you picked that up, Dawn, because we did. We've put in a, a big water filter that come that come. Er, Every drop of water that comes into this house is filtered. Mm. 
And as the filtration system, which needs, you know, um, minerals put into it to obviously work through the water and, and take out whatever's not good for you in it. Um, as that comes to the end of its life, once every three or four months, uh -huh. we actually can tell. Uh -huh. and, and it's interesting. You tell through the taste of a cup of tea. I drink black fruit teas. And you yeah. can tell through the taste of that that it's not the same. Brushing okay. your teeth, you can tell through the taste of brushing your teeth. Mm. And it's and because... Smell? Pardon? And the smell, can you smell a difference? As an asthmatic dawn, I have a problem with smell. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, we have a, a pool, which is not a chlorine pool, it's a salt-based yeah. pool. But, you know, there's all those things around that we have to, we have to contend with on the, on the different sides. Yeah. But it's, it's generally, it's the taste. You know, and, and I'll go to, to my partner within a few days of this doesn't taste right and say to him, what do you think of your tea? And he goes, mm, yeah, okay, let's go change it. Yeah. And we but you'll notice also with washing your hair and your yeah. skin, you'll notice it from that point of view as well, won't you? Well, I'll tell you what, having waist-length hair, Dawn, it's great washing your hair because where you put shampoo in and with the really hard water we have, and there's a way of being able to measure it, Mm -hmm. um, it used to take me like two seconds to get the shampoo out. With the clean water we have now, I use about an eighth of the shampoo, and right. it takes me about 20 minutes to get it out of my hair because the water now doesn't have all those additional chemicals in that used to help. Yeah. You know, it's gone back to being more natural. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and also, your skin will be softer um, oh, yeah. when you've got uh, filtered water. Yeah. But. <coughs> Just a little test for our listeners. Um, you know, one of the uh, key issues uh, that people face is chronic dehydration. Now, they mm. don't even know that they're dehydrated. Sometimes I hear Robert have a drink and he's glugging like he's just been, um, just arrived at an oasis. And I say, that is ridiculous. That shows that you were really thirsty. Yeah. Uh, you need to be drinking, sipping water on a regular basis. Now, a lot of people think, well, if I have a, a, a glass an hour, um, then that's fine. But if you think about it, when you glug down a glass of water, it pretty much goes straight through you yeah. and you're going to have a wee. Whereas if you're sipping water yeah. throughout the hour and all day long, which is why these sippy bottles are really quite handy rather than glasses of water, um, you're actually going to be hydrating the rest of your body. Yeah. So a couple of ways that you can tell whether you're dehydrated um, <clears throat> and chronic dehydration is a massive problem. And as I said to you, if you're trying to manage your weight or you suffer with things like depression, then water hydration is even more important to you. Is simply pinch the back of your hand, lift the skin off the back of your hand and see how quickly it pings back. And what you want it to do is ping back, you know, nice and quickly like it would on a baby. The other way that you can tell is by looking um, and um, smelling your urine. If it's very dark and if it's smelly, you are dehydrated. You want to uh, be really at the stage where your urine is quite clear, uh, quite odorless and you know, some people even believe in urine therapy. Now, I would say that if you go down that route, then you have to be pretty much on a diet of drinking water only and maybe tea in order for your urine to be that clear and that clean that you would be prepared to ingest it for a second time. But most people, particularly their first wee of the day, is very dark and very smelly. Well, that shows that your kidneys have really had to work incredibly hard overnight. So the last thing you want to be doing at night is having a glass of water. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be up throughout the night um, for, for the toilet. And you want to have a glass first thing in the morning before you do anything. Not least because your heart is dehydrated overnight. And heart attacks are at the highest in between 6 and 9 o'clock in the morning because the heart is dehydrated. So do your heart, your kidneys, a massive favor by having a big glass of water at night and a big glass of water in the morning. And for the rest of the day, for all your other organs, and for those who are very uh, conscious of looking beautiful and having good quality skin, 
uh, that looks youthful sip water throughout the day. Mm. And there's lots of uh, misnomers, Barbara, about, well, you've got to have eight glasses a day, and if you weigh this, you know, for every six pounds, add this. Um, don't worry about things like that. Just think about um, how much do you weigh, what is the temperature that you're in, how much physical activity are you doing, um, and don't let yourself get thirsty. It's, it's common sense, really. If you sip water throughout the day, then you don't have to think about all those sorts of measurements. So water is really, really key on so many levels. Let's face it, Barbara, you know, you and I have detoxed. We've had seven yeah. days together on mm -hmm. June. You can last, the, the, the average person, unless you're already very thin, the average person can easily last six weeks without any food. They'll be uncomfortable. They will lose weight. But the body will turn to its fat reserves. We cannot last seven days without water. The majority of people would probably die or go into organ failure after about 48 hours upwards. So we have to have water. Water, like air, is absolutely crucial. So let's talk about air, fresh air not the air that's in our office. We, we talked about this the other day, Barbara, because of the, uh, the epidemics, the uh, influenza that's uh, going through France at the moment, and <clears throat> we've both suffered uh, with different things. You've got asthma, I've had bronchitis. Mm -hmm. uh, air in our houses, particularly for those people who have made them airtight, and we're lucky, we live in old farmhouses, Barbara, so they're not airtight like these new modern houses. Our houses can breathe a little bit better. But it's a shock to most people uh, that the air in their house and definitely the air in their office is more polluted than air in the city. Mm -hmm. uh, they just don't understand that. Um, bedrooms are a classic. You know, they go to bed, people are all covered up under the duvet, the, the curtains are closed, the windows are shut. How are we supposed to breathe? Uh, our lungs need fresh air in order to oxygenate our blood. So we need fresh air. So getting out and about, walking the dogs, getting out of the office at lunchtime will stop you feeling that sort of tired slump in the afternoon. And then when we pollute our uh, homes even more with plug-in air fresheners, I mean, we're just killing our nasal hairs, which are supposed to you know, be a barrier to protect our airways. So think about what we're doing and what we can do to improve the quality of our air. So get rid of the air fresheners, put in plants instead. Uh, you want to create an airflow um, and get outside and exercise your lungs as much as possible. So people who are asthmatic need to do exercises. So in the morning, instead of opening the window and taking a big uh, gulp of air, first Get rid of all the stale air in your lungs. So puff and pant like a dog until you, it's all out. Then take in the fresh air. That's not only stimulating the body and picking you up, but it's actually exercising your lungs. The only exercise lungs ordinarily get, particularly as babies, is hiccuping. So, you know, again, we take the, uh, the health of our lungs for granted and we can do something about that and you as an asthmatic know all about this you've got exercises to do absolutely you talked about sunshine so yes we're kind of whizzing through this because we want everyone to have a, a taste of at least the seven fundamental uh, principles of health sunshine is very important it's the vitamin happiness vitamin um, but actually, it's not a vitamin at all. It's, it's a hormone. It's vitamin D3. And that's absolutely crucial. You know, the skin photosynthesizes it. And, of course, what happens when we cover our skin up with uh, suntan lotion? We're blocking the pores. So, you know, there is a lot of statistics uh, evidence out there now that says, actually, sun isn't the the enemy, that's not the, the thing that's causing the cancer. It's all the chemicals that we are applying to our skin and our bodies. So I would think twice about uh, using suntan lotion. What I would suggest instead is that you use things like coconut oil, which will give you a minimal amount of protection. Another thing that will give you protection is eating. Um, like I said earlier when we talked about the nutrition, is the food that Mother Nature has provided. So the more 
uh, of the uh, rainbow spectrum that you eat. So blueberries, red peppers, um, tomatoes, oranges, you know, all the colorful foods that will naturally give your skin a certain amount of protection against the harsh sun. And common sense says avoid the sun at the peak times of 11 to 3 o'clock where you are going to burn. Well, can I, can I add something to that, Dawn? Yeah, I know you've lived on the other, uh, in the other hemisphere. Yeah, I've lived in the southern hemisphere. I was, I was brought up there, and we were brought up, um, you know, in the days when you didn't really have suntan cream. And yes, some people who were very excessive in the, in the sun and didn't really appreciate what it was doing ended up with skin cancer, and they ended up with it because they were abusing their, their skin. Yeah. By, by being out there. But I can remember, you know, even as a toddler, and I grew up with this, and ours was um, between 10 and 2, <coughs> excuse me, were the hottest periods of the sun. Mm. And at 5 to 10, my mother used to walk out with a cotton, not a mix, but a cotton shirt. Mm. Yeah. And one of those wonderful floppy hats. Uh-huh that every kid never wants to wear, mm -hmm. let me tell you. But the floppy hat was covering the face, it was covering the ears and it was covering the back of the neck. Yeah. And as a kid, you don't care, you don't want to know. Yeah. But our rules were, you can't go in the water unless. Mm. And it was, it was a statement that all mothers made. Yeah. If you want to go and swim in the lake, only if you're wearing a shirt and a hat. Mm -hmm. and the floppy hats just became part of everybody because we all did it as kids. It wasn't like yeah. you were different because your mother said so. We all had it. Yeah. And I can remember my grandfather, a fantastic man, um, saying to us as, as young kids, you can go out in the sun between 10 and 2. You can walk through it. Mm. Don't sit in it. Mm -hmm. um, the challenge is that a lot of people go out and this is actually where the, the people who work on the land, you know, the farmers, the builders, the people who are out there, this is where they, <coughs> because they go out and they're not walking through it, but they're yeah. working. Uh -huh. And they're not covered up. And when yeah. I look at some of the, the cultures around the world, you know, you look at the, the Arab um, flows, they uh -huh. wear long sleeves, cotton long sleeve tops uh -huh. all the time. Yeah. Why? Because they live in the hottest sun. Mm -hmm. um, and really, that's what we have to learn from is, is, you know, you can get a tan. I can remember moving to Europe in my 20s um, and my tan disappearing and thinking, why? And becoming a sun worshipper. Mm -hmm. And I know, Dawn, you and I have both been sun worshippers, you know. Mm -hmm. Get out there. Get the color for summer. Feel as though you're healthy, and, and the look does help, let me tell you. But actually, I then went back and I said to my mother, who still lives in the Southern Hemisphere, why have you got a tan and I can't get it? She said, I don't know, I never go and sit in the sun. Mm. It's not because she's as a sun and worships in the sun or anything like that. It's because she walks through it. Mm -hmm. But she's outside all the time. Mm -hmm. So instead of us, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere, we have this thing, especially in winter, you've got to be indoors, you've got to be wrapped up, you've got to be, no, get out there. Mm -hmm. You know, us here, where we live in the centre of France, we have a nice sunny day in the middle of winter. It can be minus 15 out there. We will open a window just to let the mm -hmm. air in, but mm -hmm. also to let that bright sunshine in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think mean, this is why they say mad dogs and Englishmen out in the midday sun. Because exactly. the, the Brits are so deprived of sunshine that, you know, when we do have a hot day, and if you look at um, people on Brighton Beach and, you know, <laughs> beaches, at the end of the day, they come off like lobsters. So it's this, it, it's this kind of feast or famine type mentality. Uh, whereas, particularly now at my age, in my 50s, um, I'm thinking, you know, I'm just out there in the garden, I'm walking yeah. the dogs, I'm, I'm getting the sunshine. I don't need to sunbathe anymore. No. Um, but English people or British people typically will. I, ha I had a friend who went on holiday for her two weeks 
and she was on the beach on her towel at eight o'clock in the morning and came back at eight o'clock at night and then partied all night long and that was her two-week holiday now when you're a sun god, you might think, well, that's wonderful. But the damage that you're doing to your skin, I mean, you're just turning it over. You're cooking. You know, you turn over half half day and you're slathered in oil. It's no different to doing a turkey in the oven. It is ridiculous. <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to just enjoy the sunshine in a healthy way. Like exactly. you say, you it up. Um, but, but be out there. I mean, we talk about sunshine, Dawn. But actually, it's just being out there in the light. Yes, it does. It can be a cloudy day, and you oh, will still get the benefits. And you know, even if it's raining or snowing, mm. just put a hat on, mm. put a scarf on, put a jacket on, put a pair of boots on. Get out there, mm. because it's all about the the colour that you get in your you, you know on your skin is not from the sun. Mm. You know, I know that there's been a lot of research done on the Southern Hemisphere about cloud burn. Yeah. Because you can have loads of clouds around and you can still be burnt. Yes. And it's about the rays that are coming through. It's about the light. Mm. So if you're out there in the light, it doesn't matter what the weather's like. I mean, I had a fantastic experience a few, well, a number of years ago when I was working for a company in Switzerland. And one of the ladies I was working with said, let's go up skiing on Saturday. But I can't ski, um, and I'm not allowed to ski, so that's fine. So I said to her, well, I can't do that. She said, no, 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 come up, and I'll point to you the walking paths. Mm -hmm. So we went to a shop, and I got proper snow walking boots, and I got my walking stick, and I got kitted out. And I was pointed, you know, she said, look, we're going to meet here. And we went up the ski lift. We're going to meet here for lunch, and we went back up the ski lift and carried on going up. And it was fantastic because... It was one of those bright sunny days because you've got the white, so you've got this really brilliant colour around you. And the next day was a little overcast. It was a little grey. And she said, come on, we're going skiing again. And I must admit, I was one of those people who went, oh, look, look at the weather. It could rain. It could snow. You know, do you want to get out in it? She said, come on, we're going. No discussion on it. So there were four or five of us, and we all be working on a project. So off we went. Um got up to the where we were going to meet for lunch and she said okay let's have a, a hot chocolate you know let's get warm let's have a hot chocolate so we stopped had our hot chocolate got back on the ski lift we went up and having stood there the day before while they were all skiing and snowboarding down the the mountain mm. and I was working out which path I was going to walk down you know bright sunshine white snows something that's going to draw you out there mm. I had a completely different experience because here I am in a little bit of grey, mm -hmm. grey clouds on, on top of me, white snow which is absorbing the grey. Mm -hmm. But you know what was fantastic? Was the fact that I was outside in the light. Mm -hmm. It was like minus five degrees centigrade or something like that. It, we were not cold mm -hmm. um, because we were dressed properly. And that was the secret is make sure you could be dressed properly. We, ha you know, I had a hat on, ears were covered, that sort of thing. And I walked down this, this path. Believe me, I got completely lost because I looked down the valley going, I have no idea which village I'm aiming for, but hey, mm. let's keep going. And I walked down this path. And by the time I found the um, restaurant where we were agreeing to meet for lunch, I was on in top spirits. Uh -huh. And I didn't know why, mm -hmm. but really, when you start to do the research like you've done, and I've done a little bit of it, <coughs> only because I was in the fresh air, it's only because I was in the light, mm -hmm. and it's only because I was getting exercise. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, being outside, you know, you have an opportunity to um, combine certain things like the exercise, like the uh, perhaps drinking a water or having yeah. a drink outside the sunshine the air and peace of mind and feeling really good and let's not forget people who ski usually come back with suntan faces exactly the rest of their body, of their body is pretty white <laughs> um, so yes the uh, the sunshine is really important and one final point about that barbara is it was an amazing um study in the amazon uh, years and years ago when the missionaries went to this uh, tribe and they were testing tribes for um, um, diseases 
uh, and they didn't have the sorts of diseases that we have, like diabetes, cancer, etc. And then, um, I don't know, 25 years later, they went back and uh, they repeated the um, studies. And what they found was that although a lot of the tribes were still butt naked, um, doing their thing, a lot of them were wearing sunglasses. Mm. And these are things that they had, you know, they had traded with um, Westerners who they'd come into contact with. And because sunglasses block uh, the uh, sunshine from our eyes, which connects the um, connects to the thyroid, that people were actually uh, much more prone to getting cancer, and they couldn't work it out for for a while why uh, some of these tribes were getting cancer until they realised it was the fact that they were covering their irises up, and so mm. therefore they weren't able to photosynthesize the sunshine, um, and it was. Uh, affecting their thyroid and so they were getting cancer so people need to spend time probably 20 minutes ideally every day outside breathing fresh air enjoying the light and we say sunshine but as you've already pointed out it doesn't even have to be a sunny day even on a cloudy day yeah. you're getting those ultraviolet lights and not having um, sunglasses or people like me I wear um, uh, reactor lights so I yeah. have to remember to take them off um, perhaps when I'm having lunch uh, so that I get the full benefits of um, the, the light so that's uh, a quick uh, synopsis on sunshine and the last of the, the seven key fundamentals in our wheel of life is peace of mind now this is both our fields yours mm. is the spiritual um, but peace of mind and equanimity is absolutely important to our sense of well-being. So whatever it is that um, gives you that peace of mind, for some people, it might be a man going into his man cave and doing his thing. So, you know, Richard will be in the garage tinkering with the lotus. For Robert, it's going to the garden and, and planting leeks. You know, we all have our own thing. Mm -hmm. uh, we both meditate. Um, I do walking meditation as well with the dogs. Um, we have to be able to switch off um, and do something that pleases us and gives us peace of mind. So it could be painting, it could be listening to music, playing the guitar, anything at all that minimizes this 24-7 stimulation. that we hate you quieten the mind and it will give you a really heightened sense of well-being gratitude and uh, ground you and make you feel part of uh, something bigger than yourself which is why walking is such a beautiful thing to do to get back out into nature so there's a lot of information that I can share in fact you know I run whole courses on uh, this but that, that's a taste of what I consider the seven fundamentals of self-health. Uh, Barbara, you have a couple of questions for us, don't you? Yes, I do. Can I just, can I just pick up on a point you said there, though, Dawn? Yeah. Um, you know, peace of mind is all about, again, it's about self. Mm -hmm. And you talked about painting and you've talked about, you know, going to the garden and doing your hobbies and Richard going to his lotus and things like that. But sometimes that doesn't bring peace of mind. Mm. It's It's... A hobby and it's calming, mm -hmm. but it can also be frustrating. True. So when we're looking at peace of mind, you know, go into whatever you're going to do, whether it's walking with the dogs, whether it's like I do, I do um, meditation techniques on the beach, for example. Um, and I know we're going to talk a lot about meditation later in the year. Yeah. So I don't really want to go into too much on, on those techniques right now. But when you're going into to take this time out, it's actually really important that you put aside your cares and your worries and your woes, yeah. that you go into it. <coughs> if you're in the middle of doing a painting, for example, and you can't quite get the brushstroke right or you can't quite get the colour right, yeah. that's not going to bring you peace of mind. Yeah, that's a good point because my mum bought me a jigsaw and she said, this will help you calm down. And I found it so 
flipping frustrating. <laughs> it was a dolphin in the sea, so you can imagine all the blue. Shades of colours. I, I just said it was driving me nuts. Mm. So that's a, a classic example. I do not find jigsaws very therapeutic. No, but, but I know, you know, Richard goes into Some the some people will. Some people will. I mean, yeah. I do. I love my jigsaws, and I find that I can switch off to the world. But I can remember um, the first time I went to the island of Madeira, which you know I used to live in, um, and I was staying in a village, and I had been was being hosted by by one of my estate agents, a guy who became a good friend of mine. And I have this habit, and I suppose because I've travelled so much for work that I've developed this habit. And mobile phones are fantastic for it. I've always had a Walkman phone that I can have masses of music on and a headset. And I'm a great person for plugging into my headset, getting into whatever the music is, not particularly listening to it, but just letting it flow over me. And, you know, I've done it when I've been sitting in airport lounges with this manic crowd around me. And, and you know, you can calm down. You can get that peace of mind. Yeah. I remember walking along the beach, headset plugged in, in those days, didn't speak a word of Portuguese. So I didn't really understand the language that was going around me. And I got into my own world. And about 40 minutes into this walk, uh, I had no idea where I was going or anything like that. You know, I was just out in the sunshine, out in the fresh air, having been trapped in a corporate environment for a few weeks. Wow. This was just a pleasure. And I was completely at peace with myself. I didn't have, I didn't have a worry. I didn't have a care. I didn't have a, nothing was worrying me. And my mobile phone started to vibrate. So I answered the call and it was this friend of mine. And he said, I want to know if you're okay. And I said, I am. Why? He said, well, a friend of mine who happens to be a local policeman has driven past and he's seen you walking down with your mobile phone plugged in, but not talking. Mm. And it was a concern that I wasn't okay, which was fantastic. And I thought, you know, it's interesting because it's not so much you as well. It's also the environment around you. And as much as you can be in an environment that's really busy and noisy and rushing around and other people who may want to, you know, intrude, if you choose to go to that place where you can get that peace of mind, uh -huh. you can get it. Yeah, yeah. And it's something we, we should do. You know, you talked about... Getting outside into the fresh air, doesn't matter what the weather's like, for at least 20 minutes a day. Yeah. And why don't you take that 20 minutes to get yourself into that peace of mind place? That's right. They say wake up, smell the roses, whatever. That's, exactly. that's a perfect opportunity to combine it. Yeah. And I, and I think we should. Yeah. So one of the things that I we were asked... And I know that we've only got a few minutes left, so let me just get to this question because I think it's actually an important one. You talked about people setting New Year's resolutions, and we've talked about this before and, and the statistics around this, and people give that up. One of the biggest challenges people have, and I know they come to you specifically, Dawn, for health coaching on this, uh. is sabotaging themselves when they're trying to lose weight. Uh -huh. And how they allow outside influences to stop them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So people are asking how they can stop sabotaging themselves. Okay, so let's start with an empowering quote then. <clears throat> um, no one else can breathe for you, drink for you, sleep for you, exercise for you, eat for you, get sunshine for you, or perform any of life's processes for you. Health is your responsibility. It's not the responsibility of a physician. It's not the responsibility of uh, teachers or the government. If you want to enjoy happy well-being, you must undertake the steps that are going to build you vigorous, sickness-free health. And nobody else can do it for you. And that's one of the fundamental things we need to get our head around in this sort of nanny state that we've become. Health is self-built. It, it's not something that is conferred from without. So as we're focusing on physical health, the exercise today that I'm going to suggest is quite simple. The good news is 
is it encompasses six of the seven topics on the wheel of life and that is to get out and walk by walking we'll be enjoying the great outdoors which will naturally de-stress us and bring about some clarity particularly if we've got some issues that we need to mull over a feeling of being grounded and that sense of belonging to something that is greater than ourselves will quite often bring up issues of forgiveness and gratitude. We're breathing fresh air. We're basking in the sunshine or bright light if it's a cloudy day. Even in indirect sunlight, we'll be still topping up that natural vitamin D3. Take a bottle of water or juice or a piece of juicy fruit and have that while you're walking or on your break. So apart from sleeping, we'll have covered six of the seven topics on that wheel of life that we've just discovered. So it's going to bring that peace of mind mm -hmm. and it will be exercising the whole of the body. And because we're breathing in the fresh air, it will be oxygenating the blood, which is good for every part of uh, the body and the brain. So that is what I would recommend. And I would recommend that you actually de-stress 20 minutes a day, particularly if you're an office worker, get off your bottom and get out into the fresh air and start moving. So, and can I add something yeah. to that, Dawn? Yeah. The other thing is, you talked about being an office worker. Mm. 20 minutes a day, if you're doing 20 hours a day in the office. Not enough. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, statistics <laughs> say now, every hour, we need to stand up and move for five, for five minutes. Exactly. Uh, even if you literally only stand, which is why these stand-up desks are becoming quite popular. So you can do a couple of squats. Um, I have a rebounder in my office. <laughs> so it goes on the hour for five minutes, get on the rebounder for five minutes. Mm. You have to move on an hourly basis. And don't be mistaken and thinking, oh, well, I did an hour at the gym this morning, so I'm going to be okay to spend 12 hours sat at my computer mm. and four hours sat in front of the TV. It is not as good as moving for five minutes every hour. But let me add to that. When uh, computers first came into offices, mm. what was the advice given then? Walk, um, away, walk, walk away from your computer every 20 minutes. Right, okay. I was thinking about posture, but yes. Yes, no. It's to do with the fact that you've got this artificial light hitting you all the time and you're yes. straining to read. Yeah. Um, yes, I understand technology's changed and screens have got better. They're no healthier. Yeah. So it's it's key that you know you, you, and this is where for me the stand up desks are not great because they don't encourage people to get a, get up and walk away. No. And actually, I think people should get up and walk away from their desk, even if it's to go and make a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Mm. But yeah. not to go outside for a fag. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like being cigarette for those who don't know the, the UK terminology. Yeah. But, um, but true, I mean, and actually the interesting thing is you get more work done. Yeah, definitely. Because, because you feel more productive, you're, you're more alive. Well, you uh, and that's why we're saying with that, with that afternoon slump that people have, and yeah. sometimes it's even a morning slump, they reach for the cookies or yeah. whatever. So that sugar is actually depressing us even more. Yeah. To get some fresh air is what is really going to energize you and increase your productivity. Really? So what's recommended reading today, Barbara? I was going to say, even just a walk around the office, though, Dawn. Yeah. You know, just, just walk away from your desk. Well, that gives you the movement, but it doesn't give you the fresh air. And no, it doesn't. But, you know, if it's pouring with rain and you've only got two or three minutes, just go up and down the stairs. Yeah, do something. Get away from, get away from your desk for at least five minutes every hour. Mm -hmm. um, so, hey, we've had a fantastic session. Sorry, I'm, I'm croaky and I'm hoping it still comes across enough clearly for everybody. If not, just email me and I can share you what we've, we've talked about. Um, but as always, we provide some recommended reading. And Dawn has this fantastic um, opportunity for everybody. And it's called Walk As You Talk. And I want to highlight on it because a lot of us feel as though when we go on these walking holidays or these walking events, you can't talk, you can't chat. But I know from what Dawn does on these events, is that she doesn't frog march you along. 
and I've done a few front marching walks. Um, there's an opportunity to stop, to talk to people, to meet people, to find other walkers on the trail. So it gives you an opportunity not only to get into, the, into nature and have some peace of mind, and, um, you know, get some fresh air, and, but it also gives you an opportunity to expand your own ideas, to share some thoughts with other people and, and to discuss them. You never know what you're going to learn. The other thing Dawn offers is she does offer a free ebook if you go onto her website, walkasyoutalk.com. And it's called um, Walk Out of the Office and De Stress. So please register with, with, um, with Dawn because I know, having read the book myself, it's fantastic and it's got a load of great ideas in it. Next month, we're going to be talking more about work life balance. Um, and it's got some new terminology coming along, but all it, it means is how much of your life are you giving away to work? How much of your life are you giving away to other areas of your life? And in this, we're going to be talking a little bit more about how we're achieving what our purpose is. And purpose for Dawn and I is really important. It's said that we each have two lives, the one we're living and the one we are dreaming about, the one we'd like to be living. Hey, isn't that why Dawn and I are coaches? Because we want to help you get there. So if you feel as though you're sleepwalking through your life, join us. If you feel as though there are changes you want to be making and you're not sure how to do it, join us. We look forward to talking to you again um, in June. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Thank you. And here's to vibrant health. Absolutely. And we won't be croaky next time. No. Bye. Bye.